Disclaimer. This is not a fully scientific project. We aim to entertain and offer knowledge that is either common or familiar to people within most Slavic cultures. Every accent you are going to hear is natural. If you are having any difficulties with the names or the way we pronounce things, the link in the show notes leads to the full transcript of the episode. Enjoy your stay. In English-speaking media, Russians are often portrayed as evil, menacing or obscure. While this podcast doesn't approve of violence or hate of any kind, it is a tool for those who aim to create evil, menacing or obscure content. You want to add Russian law to your story? Go for it. Just make it legitimate. We are here to help with that. You are listening to U is a Letter, Dark Russian Folklore Podcast. Bonus tale number three. A gift horse in the cellar. Our tale for today is different from the previous ones in our collection, since the English version of its title, The Princess to be Kissed at a Charge, has little to no correlation with the original one. In Russian, the tale is usually called Sivka Burka. There are over 60 versions of this exact story in Russian, and all of them are more or less about the same thing. A grateful dad offers their child some help in the form of a supernatural horse that comes from some place underground, can speak, is able to fly, and occasionally breathes fire. The name Sivkaburka refers to the color of gray and chestnut mane of a horse, although the horse itself is often described as a white stallion. This translation of our tale belongs to the same collection assembled by Leonard Arthur Magnus we used in our previous episodes. In other translations, it is called Ivan and the Chestnut Horse and Princess Helena the Fair, which adds to the general confusion around the exact title. Thankfully, Mr. Magnus offers a few footnotes, just to make it clearer for those who don't speak Russian. Vanyushka is the diminutive form of the name Ivan. Kaftan is a peasant's overcoat. And Batyushka is just a fancy way to say daddy. There are a few details beside the ones we've mentioned that might still feel odd. A nightingale's trill in Russian tales doesn't usually describe something beautiful. It describes something that is particularly loud. A crown or a wreath in a building is a layer of timber used to build it. So when a tower is 12 crowns high, it means it counts 12 layers of logs. Another thing worth mentioning is the fact that when one is about to mount a horse by one ear, The original tale suggests to climb inside one of the horse's ears and climb out of the other. Give this idea a good thought. It deserves to be fully visualized. Our narrator for today is once again the sensitive, beautiful, artistic creature in need of self-validation, also known as Peter Joseph Lewis, And if you recognize this quote, you are the true connoisseur of his art. The musical score for the tale was written and performed by a Russian musician known as Tusic, whom you might know by her positive affirmations for your mental mental health. 
the princess to be kissed at a charge. We still say that we are clever, but our elders go and quarrel with us and say, No, we had more sense than you. But the tale tells that even when our grandfathers had not learned their lessons, and our great-great-great-great-grandfathers had not been born, in a certain kingdom, in a certain land once, there lived an old man who had taught his three sons reading and writing. Now, children, he said to them, I shall die. Do you come and read prayers over my grave? Very well, Batyushka, the three sons answered. And the two elder brothers were indeed fine lads, and they grew up fine, stout fellows, but the youngest, Vanyushka, was undersized, like a starved duckling, and flat-chested. The old man, their father, died. And just around then a decree was issued by the Tsar that his daughter, Elena Zarevna the Fair, had ordered a temple to be built for herself with twelve columns and twelve wreaths. She was going to sit in this temple on a lofty throne, and was going to wait for the bridegroom, the valiant man who should, on a flying horse, at a single spring, kiss her on the lips. All the young folks were bustling about, washing themselves clean, combing their hair, and considering to whom should the great honor fall. Brothers, Vanyushka said, our father is dead, uh, who of us will go and read prayers on his grave? Whoever wishes may go, answered the brothers. And so the youngest went, but the elders got ready and mounted their horses, curled their hair, dyed their hair, and all their kinsmen gathered round. Then the second night came. Brothers, I read the prayers last night, Vanya said. It's your turn. Which of you will go? Anyone who wishes may go. Don't interfere with us. They gave their hats a knowing tilt, whooped and shouted, flew about and rushed and galloped abroad on the open fields, and once again Vanya read the prayers, and so too on the third night. But the brothers saddled their horses, combed out their whiskers, and got ready on the very morrow to try their prowess in front of the eyes of Elena the Fair. What about our youngest brother, they thought. Oh, never mind about him. He will only disgrace us and make people laugh. Let us go by ourselves. And so they started out. But Vanya also very much wanted to look upon Princess Elena the Fair. And so he wept sorely. And he went to his father's grave. And his father heard him in his last home. And he came up to him, shook off the gray earth from his forehead, and said... Do not grieve, Vanyushka. I will aid you in your sorrow. Then the old man got up, whistled and hallooed with a young man's voice, with a nightingale's trill, and from some source or other a horse ran up, and the earth trembled, and from his nostrils and from his ears flames issued forth. He breathed smoke and stood in front of the old man as though he were rooted to the ground, and asked him, what do you wish? Vanya mounted the horse by one ear, dismounted it by the other, and turned into so fine a youth as no tale can tell and no pen can write. He sat on the horse, bent over sideways, and he flew like a hawk straight to the palace of Elena the fair Zarevna. He stretched out, leaped on, and he did not reach two of the crowns. 
He made an effort. He flew up, jumped. There was only one wreath left. He made one more effort, turned round once more, and as fire leaps to the eyes, he instantly kissed and smacked Elena the Fair on the lips. Who is it? Who is it? Catch him! But his very trace had vanished. He leapt back to his father's grave, and he let his horse free into the open field. And he then bowed down to the earth and asked the advice of his father, and the old man gave him advice. Vanya went back home as though he had never been there, and the brothers told him where they had been, what they had done and seen, and he listened as though he had never heard of it before. There was another bout the next day, and you could never see an end of the boyars and the lords seated at the royal palace. The elder brothers started out, and the younger brother set out on foot secretly and quietly just as though he had never kissed the Zarevna, and he stopped in his distant corner. Elena Zarevna was asking for her bridegroom. Elena Zarevna was wishing to show him to the whole world, desiring to give him half of her kingdom, but never a bridegroom appeared. They were looking for him in the midst of the boyars, in the midst of the generals, and they went to them all, but they could not find him. But Vanya looked on and smiled, and waited until his bride came to him. For he said, I won her like a knight in armor, now she is to love me even in my caftan. So she got up looked out of the open windows, glanced through them all, and then she saw and recognized her bridegroom, took him to herself, and soon the betrothal took place. And oh, what a fine young man he was! So sensible, brave, and so handsome. He used to sit on his flying horse, undo his cap, put his arms akimbo, and he seemed like a king, like a reigning king. And you looked on, and you would never have imagined that at one time he could ever have been poor Vanyushka. In most versions of the tale, Sivka Burka doesn't just appear out of nowhere. He is to be summoned. The summoning spell rhymes in Russian, because of course it does. Сивка бурка, вещи каурка, встань передо мной, как лист перед травой. It can be roughly translated as Сивка бурка, the all-knowing steed, stand before me as a leaf stands before the grass. The tricky part is that there is an explicit version of the same spell, since there are multiple things that can proudly stand erect. But for the sake of keeping our creepy content more or less family-friendly, we would like to let that particular territory remain uncharted. What is far more interesting is that Vladimir Prop, a Russian scholar of myths and legends, insisted that the idea of a horse helper was almost always a sign of a connection to an other world or the land of the dead. The motif of the horse in the cellar, as Prop called the idea of discovering a helpful supernatural steed under a stone, in a crypt, or deep inside a mountain, might have its roots in the influence of nomadic peoples that is strongly reflected in Russian culture. Archaeological studies of the Eurasian steppe confirm this theory. According to Prop, this motif is proof of a link between horses and the cult of the ancestors, namely the tradition of veneration of the dead. A long story short, when a dead relative offers you a horse, trust their choice of a gift. Just don't look it in the mouth. It might breathe fire.
This episode was researched, written and recorded by Doc and Stacy. Proofreading by Saika and Craw. Guest star Peter Joseph Lewis. Theme music for the podcast written and performed by Andrei Popov. Musical score for the tale written and performed by Tusic. All the additional information on this podcast, including extra links, source material and transcripts, is available on our website. Link in show notes. U is a letter is a non-profit project. It is not funded, connected or associated with any organizations, social media or political ideologies. If you find what we do useful, please consider donating to a charity of your choice. Thank you. And may no darkness engulf you without your consent.